I want to welcome all the Liberty family at all of our locations and those of you who have joined us online today. It's always a joy to bring this message to the men and women in the correctional facilities around Hampton Roads and uh, all the way to Richmond. You're not a project to us. We pray for you and I pray that this message will be a blessing to you today. Thankful for this military community, the men and women in our armed forces, those of you who are just out on vacation, uh, you're traveling and yet you're staying connected. We're glad that uh, you're a part of this worship service today. So can we right now, every campus, put your hands together and welcome all of our guests and the church family. Tammy and I are excited about 2024 and 2025 trips that we're offering. The Journeys of Paul uh, is about full. There are just a few seats left. Go ahead and sign up. And 2025, the first week to Israel is already full, and the second week is about half full. And so I would just say, go ahead and sign up. And here's the key. Even if you go to sign up and it says you're on a waiting list, go on the waiting list. That's a year from now. That's two years from now. Life happens. People will have to drop out because of uh, physical condition. They got surgery, health uh, challenge, uh, just life. And so, uh, please, there were people who were on the waiting list to go to Israel this year who got to go. And I'm telling you, don't, don't worry. Go ahead and get on the waiting list, and then uh, we, we pray you'll be able to go with us. Just go to libertylive.church slash events. Well, we're in a series called You Ask For It, and we're looking at the Christmas survey that we did this past year, and we're dealing with some real raw issues. All I can say is, you ask for it, All right. All I can say is this, you know, th this is tough. You think it's tough on you, uh, you ought to be me having to preach. And I, I'm overprepared today. Uh, last week we talked about depression because you wanted to talk about uh, mental and emotional issues. This week we're talking about, are you ready? Sexuality, how to answer questions about sexuality. Because in the survey, uh, you wanted to talk about family, you wanted to talk about relationships, and in particular, uh, identity, gender, sexuality. So as you've already heard in our campuses today, this is a PG-13 sermon. And if you have younger children, I, I know that they'll enjoy uh, Liberty's Kids Ministry. And uh, we want you as the parent to make the decision as what they need to hear and at what age it's appropriate. And so we want to honor that, and that's why we make that announcement. But today's message will be how to navigate these conversations with your family, with your friends about sexuality. I mean, what do you do when your kids come home and they say, well, my friend, well, my teacher, well, we read this book about, you know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's been a sexual revolution in history about every 50 years. And Jesus plainly said that in the last days, there would be a generation that would look like Sodom and Gomorrah. Hear me, Ch culture changes, but God does not. And I want you to know the church has not always done a good job, and we just need to admit that when it comes to the subject of the topic of sexuality. First of all, I don't remember hearing any sermons about sexuality, uh, so the church was silent on the issue. And then in youth group, if I did hear a message, it went something like this, thou shalt not stop, don't. <laughs> Sex is dirty, bad, and ugly, Save it for the one that you love, you know? And I mean, that's just not good messaging. Um, so where do you start? You start with prayer. Let's pray right now. All right. Father, we love you. Thank you for your presence. Lord, the, the songs were just what we needed today. 
Thank you for the truths that we have sung and declared. And now I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come on this message. Connect with your people. Lord, it really doesn't matter what I think or anybody else thinks. It matters what you've said. And so, Lord, would you speak? We're listening. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, where do you start? How do you answer questions about sexuality? You start with creation and beauty. Creation and beauty. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter one. All right, that's where we're gonna be. That's where we're gonna start. Genesis chapter one. Now, here it is. Uh, I was just praying the fact that it really didn't matter what I say. Really, it matter what you say. It matters what God says. And so I just want to remind you that on Judgment Day, you're not going to stand before the culture. You're going to stand before your creator. And, and I want you to see here, the creation story is a series of binaries. It's day and night. It is earth and sky, water and land, sun and moon, male and female. Just look at it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them what? Male and female. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Now notice, male and female, both were to reflect the image of God. Both were to rule over creation. Both were to carry out the mandate uh, to have offspring. And after creation, God said what? It is good. And so the message the church needs to communicate is the body is good. Sexuality is good. It is a gift that God made us a complex, whole person, whole being. And you can't divide body, soul, and spirit. You can't divide sex from gender. Uh, Now notice, this is the very first mention of sex in the Bible, and it's not a prohibition. It's not a thou shalt not. It's a thou shalt. Hello, y'all all all right out there? (laughs) It's have sex and multiply. I mean, the message would be PG-13 if I just read the scriptures. Look at this, Proverbs 5.15. I'm gonna give you a lot of scriptures today, so just make a reference. Proverbs 5.15. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets and your streams of water into the public squares? Let me tell you, the reason there's a river bank is so you can enjoy it. The river, the reason there's a dam or levee is so you can enjoy the water. But when the river bank overflows and when the levees break and the dam breaks, that's when it flows into the streets and lives are destroyed. Here it is. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. See, God wants to bless you. He's not trying to keep something from you. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Marry young. Live long. Grow old together. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated uh, with her love. Now, I saw some men for the first time underlined in your Bible. I mean, you started taking notes right there. I mean, this, this is awesome. Let me tell you, Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles. That's modern day Greece, Turkey, uh, parts of Rome or Italy. And so, The journeys of Paul, that's where we're going to be retracing. Now listen, they had temples, they had sex gods, and the way they worshiped in their temples was through temple prostitutes. 
They were raised going to church, going to the temple, and having sex with a prostitute. And that is what they were saved out of. That's what Paul was trying to teach these new believers. You can't do that anymore. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 6, 15, he said, don't you know? And they didn't. They didn't know. He's teaching them. And people don't know today. That's why I'm teaching. All right? Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined with a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says, the two shall become one flesh. Now, Jesus repeated that from from Genesis. He repeated it in Matthew 19. Paul repeats it here and again in Ephesians. And then he says in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every other set of person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against, here it is, his own body. And so uh, the, the gift of sex is about oneness. The two shall become one. One man, one woman, worshiping one God in one church, living in one house, sleeping in one bed, sharing one bank account, uh, one lifetime together. Uh, sex is a gift. It's for pleasure and procreation and abusing and misusing the gift has unintended consequences. You're just hurting yourself. This is not about making God mad. It's not about making God angry. It's about you are hurting yourself. Have you got it? Say, I got it. You see, God created us. He's got the right to tell us how to live. He gave us the gift. He he gives us uh, the instruction of how to use it. This is the standard. Scripture's the standard. And, and, and so you either do it God's way or you do your own thing your own way, and that means you're your own God. And that's not going to work out too well in the end. Uh, verse 19. Don't you know? And they didn't. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? So you're not just going to a building that's a temple. Now your body's the temple. God dwells inside of you who's in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. And here it is, you've been bought with a price. So glorify God with your, everybody say the last word, body. The Greek and Roman world believed the body was evil. And they wanted to separate the body and say, you know, you just gotta get in contact with your inner self. But I'm telling you, God created our bodies. The creator came to his creation in bodily form through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' body hung on a cross. Jesus' body was buried in the tomb. Jesus' body rose from the dead. Jesus' body ascended to heaven. And Jesus is going to return in a body. And the church is called the body of Christ. So the body's not a bad thing. This is good. All right? And then I want you to see here 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. People say, well, what's the will of God for my life? He tells us. This is God's will for you. Your sanctification, keep away from sexual immorality. Each of you should know how to what? Give in to your feelings and desires? No. Control his body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who don't know God. So whether you're single or married, whether you're divorced or widowed, here it is. Young and old, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. It was made by God for God. And so God created your body and there's beauty to be experienced if you live according to his design. Starts with creation and beauty, all right? 
But then we have to recognize we live in a world of confusion and brokenness. That's the second thing I want you to write down. We live in a world of confusion and brokenness. And I want you to know the beauty of sexuality has been distorted by sin. God's good gift to us has been misused. And therefore, it's become a source of pain and brokenness and depravity. Adam and Eve rebelled against God's authority. And that's not just their story. It's your story. It's my story. I mean, we all have that. I'm not a kid anymore. You're not going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And we all want to be free. Everybody say free. free. We all want to be free. But we end up enslaved to sin by the choices we regret. I'm going to say that one more time. We want to be free, but we end up enslaved to sin by the choices we regret. I mean, who's more free, the dog in the backyard in the fence or the dog dead in the middle of the road? See, Satan does everything he can to get you to have sex before you get married, and then he does everything he can to keep you from having sex after you get married. Am I telling the truth or not? You know it. And so that's why Solomon said in Proverbs 5, 3, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. You know, you're gonna come to a place where you, you don't feel like you're getting out of that relationship, what you're putting into it, and you deserve better, and you deserve more, and you deserve to be happy, and that's when honey lips comes along. And you gotta watch out for honey lips here, all right? Affairs don't just happen. They're like a slow-burning candle. Affairs don't start in a hotel room, but over text, messages, emails, chats, coffee. No one wakes up and says, today I'm gonna cheat on my spouse and there's gotta be somebody else that wants to cheat on their spouse too and God help me find them. No, no, you didn't. That's not the way you wake up. No, here's what people say after having an affair. I don't know how it happened. I never intended for it to go this far. I never meant for this to happen. See, God made Adam and Eve, put them in a tropical paradise, naked, unafraid, and unashamed, and said, it is good. It's good. Holiness has no reason to hide. You ought to write that down. Holiness has no reason to hide. They were naked, unashamed, unafraid. But immediately when they sinned, what happened? They hid. They tried to hide. They tried to cover up their bodies. In fact, let me just point this out. Adam and Eve sinned and they were ashamed, guilty, all right? Then they have a son, Cain, who kills his brother and, and he's calloused, he's not ashamed. And then Cain has a son named Lamech who was the first polygamist, had more than one wife, and he killed a man. You go read it for yourself. And he became proud. And that's where we are in our culture. We've come to a place what used to be ashamed and, 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 and hidden is now we're calloused about it or even proud of it. And so I would say to you, holiness has no reason to hide. Uh, we're at a place right now, uh, we live in Romans 1.21. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, senseless, darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over to their desires, to their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves, and they exchanged the truth for a, everybody say it, a lie. Let me tell you, Adam and Eve sinned against God because they believed a lie 
of what would make them happy. But their lie hurt them. Their, listen, the lie of the devil not only hurt them, it hurt us. And the lie the devil is propagating today is just going to confuse and hurt people more. The world says, trust your feelings. No, the Bible says you can't trust your feelings. Now, the world says that sex is no more than animalistic action. You know, there is no God. We all came through an evolutionary process. You just came from an ape. And, and when, when you're in heat, you got to mate. When you get the urge, you got to merge. You know, I mean, that just is what the world tells us. Just live like an animal, act like an animal. In fact, we call the sex taught the birds and the bees. And yet I would say to you that you are more than an animal. You're created in the image of God. And, and, and I, I would just tell you, you're not like the white-tailed deer. Any hunters, I know at Smithfield and Carrollton and uh, and, and York County and Gloucester. I, I know we got some hunters around here somewhere. So I grew up in Georgia and lived almost 20 years in Arkansas. I, I know about deer hunting. And let me just tell you, you you'll see a little font. You'll see Bambi. Bambi's just galloping around because they don't know better. And they're going to get shot and killed. And you're going to have some real tender, uh, tenderloin. You know what I'm saying? Even the does, the moms, will come to the edge of the field. We were driving the other day, and it's like every night at the same time, these, these doe, the, the, the moms, the females, they come out into the field. They're not afraid. But the buck with the big rack, you never see. You want to see him, but you never see him. Maybe on a trail camera, you get a picture of this huge buck. Why? He's cautious. He's never coming out. He's never going to put himself in a place of danger until the rut. And all the men laugh because they understand what I'm talking about. When the does are in heat, the bucks lose their ever-loving mind. Where you at, baby? Where you at? Bam! <laughs> Head goes on the wall. Meat goes in the stomach. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, <laughs> if you give in to your desires, if you give in to... To, to the way you feel and your brain, your mind becomes mush, you're going to be a trophy, a head on the devil's wall. And so, uh, you know, the world says, listen, sin is innocent, fun, it's spring break. You don't even have to know their name. And yet, this is what the Bible says, that sex is about a bond of oneness. And, and so sex is not an act between two objects. It's a bond between two people. And that's why so many people are over-medicated and they're, they're drinking and taking drugs trying to just deal with their past. The world says that sex is an isolated event. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it doesn't. It comes home with you. And then here's what the world is saying today. Their biggest message is sex is your identity. And the world wants to put a label on you, but no one has a right to put a label on you except the one who made you. Come on, put your hands together and praise God. Your identity is in the God who made you, not in what others say about you or even in how you feel about yourself. So what we're dealing with as parents and, and as Christians and the church today may be new to us and our generation, but it's not new to the people of God. The terms may have changed, but human nature has not. Go all the way back, write this down, Deuteronomy 22.5. You know what God told Moses? You're gonna get over there to the promised land and when you're going into the Canaanite culture, you're gonna see men dressing like women and women dressing like men. Deuteronomy 22.5. 
And then we see it all the way back uh, in the book of Daniel. And I want to show it to you today. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. You getting anything out of this? You awake? All right, here we go. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome. Notice the emphasis is on the body and on young people. All right? And then do what? Teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And that's exactly what the world is doing today. They're trying to indoctrinate our young people. Teach them a new language. Teach them new books. That's what the culture war is all about. And that's why parents are going to school board meetings and they're saying, hey, I don't want my child to have to read this book. Uh, it's all about a new identity. And young people are under enormous pressure to conform to the world around them. In fact, here's what I would tell you. We hear stories all the time about straight kids coming uh, to their friends and at school saying, I'm gay or I'm bisexual just so they can fit in or just so they can get the affirmation that transgender athletes are getting. I want you to write this down if you're a parent. August the 13th, August the 13th, we're arranging our student ministry schedule so that students can be in the worship service. They, our students need to hear what I'm preaching right now. But I'm telling you, they're over in another building, in another room, in small group. I'm not against small group. We're still gonna have small group, but they need to be in worship. And I need your help as a parent to get them here. Middle schoolers don't drive. Praise the Lord, amen? <laughs> so you parents have gotta get them here. And even if they were in the room, and even if they did hear this message, one sermon uh, out of the year is not gonna combat five days a week at school or seven days a week on social media. So we gotta work together, home and church. Have you got it? Say, I got it. Now, the good news is what I'm about to share with you, I did share with the students back in March at LS Weekend. And I learned it from Chris Hodges, uh, just a dear friend, and he wrote a book a long time ago called The Daniel Dilemma. And I wanna share with you what I shared with our students. In Daniel 1.7, it says the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to uh, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. All right, now watch this. This is nothing new. Andy becoming Andrea. Jackie becoming Jackie is nothing new. They tried to identify them as the opposite sex. The devil still got the same old playbook and the new morality is no more than the old immorality. Listen, culture will try to confuse your identity. Let me show it to you. Daniel, his name means God is my judge. Belteshazzar is a lady's name. They changed Daniel to Beltes. It means lady protect the king. And so we're dealing with gender reassignment, confusion, confusion. Um, uh, just redefining their identity. And I just want to tell you, confusion is not of God. God is not the author of confusion, but we know who the author of confusion is. And so the devil wants you to be confused about who God made you to be. And I, I want to clearly say gender dysphoria, confusion is real. And, and if you are struggling that you really feel like you're trapped in the wrong body, don't run to the father of all lies. Run to the heavenly father who made you and loves you and knows you best. All right, here it is. 
Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Whoa, we got a gracious God. They changed the name to Shadrach. I am fearful of God. So the, the whole thing's about redefining spirituality. Uh, there is no God. The Bible's not true. It's a deconstruction of truth. And, and then uh, Meshach to Meshach. Meshach's who is what God is. It's kind of like there's nobody like our God. He, woo, happy on top of the world. And then all of a sudden, I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And so uh, the devil wants you to go from being cheerful to fearful. Playing with your emotions, causing you to be depressed, that you would get to the point you hate your body, you hate yourself. And here's the last one. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. And Abednego means the servant of Nebo. And so they, the Babylonians wanted Azariah to say, yeah, God used to be with you, but he's gone. He's abandoned you. He's nowhere to be found now. And, and then we, we want you to be the servant of Nebo. Nebo, the word translates prophecy. Hear me. The devil has a prophetic future for you and for our children. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's got a future for you and your children, and his plans are good and not evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. And so I, I want you to get it. So the question really becomes, are we gonna change the world around us or are we gonna be changed by the world? Are we gonna let the world change us? It's such a critical moment. As culture is shifting, you've gotta know who you are. And I wanna tell you who you are. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I'm telling you, we were created by God. Look at this right here. Psalm 139.13, before I had my eye surgery a few weeks ago, uh, several people were texting me, staff, deacons, saying we're praying for you. And one of our deacons uh, sent me Psalm 139, and I read this right before I had surgery. Now, if you're going to have surgery, read Psalm 139. For you were created in, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, you talk about resting. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what's gone on in your life, but you can rest in the God who made you and knew you and called you, as Jeremiah said, from the mother's womb. That's why we're pro-life. Because God made you, and only when you connect with him will you really, truly know who you are. And today, we have life track at all of our campuses and, and I encourage you to go. It's how you become a part officially of this family. It's a free meal, free childcare. And we just talk about what it means to know God, find community, uh, to serve others, to serve people, and, and to leave a legacy. It's about purpose in life. And I, I encourage you uh, to be a part of it. Last thing, compassion and blessing. Compassion and blessing. Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So here it is. The whole Bible is for the whole person. We've got the whole counsel of God to guide us on every issue of life. How should the church respond? How should Christians answer questions about sexuality like Jesus did? 
John 1. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. And you can't have one without the other. I, I'm telling you, too many, many times people go to one extreme or the other. Grace and, you know, grace says it doesn't matter how you live. Yes, it does. Grace, they just say, man, I accept you, I affirm you, I agree with you. No, I'm telling you, you can affirm somebody without agreeing with them. You can affirm somebody uh, without accepting or approving of what they do. But too many times people just go to grace and, you know, everybody's going to heaven anyway and it doesn't matter how you live and it's just grace, grace, grace. And then the other stream is truth. And those people are out there with a, you know, with a big sign saying, you're going to hell. And, and if you're from Georgia, like I, you know, I, I grew up hearing it like this, you're going to hell, hell in a handbasket. That's where you're going. And I'm just telling you, yelling at people that they're going to hell is not going to keep them from going to hell. You got to have grace and truth. And too many times we know John 3.16, but we don't know John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so think about Jesus when they brought to him the woman caught in adultery. You see a picture of grace and truth. He said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said, what? Go and sin no more. Leave your lifestyle of sin. You know, to some people, this is just a social issue or a political issue. But I'm telling you, to God, this is not about an issue. It's about individuals. People are hurting. And I remind the church today that St. Patrick ended child sacrifice in Ireland, that Annie Armstrong rescued children from temple prostitution, that Lottie Moon opposed the torturous practice of children foot binding in China. Christians have always been called to combat human trafficking, illiteracy, poverty, hunger, abortion, and injustice. Wherever the image of God is being misused, harmed, degraded, we're to be the salt and light in a world of moral decay and darkness. And I, you know, I'm I'm looking at my time, I'm doing pretty good, but I, I may just go a few minutes over today because I'm telling you, it may be one of the most important messages I've preached in a long, long time, all right? So just bear with me. Just, just give me a little grace, all right? So many people have been damaged and disappointed by the lies of the devil. Right now, before our children are old enough to drive a car, register to vote, or even recite their multiplication tables, parents, educators, healthcare providers are facilitating and in some cases imposing transitioning. They tell us, and I've read over 30 uh, different uh, books, articles, resources, that I'm way overprepared, all right? But if you need help as a parent how to deal with these issues, I'm telling you, I found great resources for you. And, and, And so they tell us that by age three or four that a child has the sense and stability to know their gender identity. Whoa, you come out of terrible twos and you know everything? A male toddler who unstaps his onesie is telling you that he wants to wear a dress and identify as a girl, they tell us. Or a female toddler who refuses to wear a hair bow is identifying as a boy. Or if a boy plays with cross-gender toys and refuses a haircut, uh, then he's identifying as a girl. Y'all, I didn't want a haircut, and I'm a boy. 
I'm just telling you, the world says that giving kids who are struggling with gender confusion, affirming care, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones to change their appearance, and then gender reassignment surgery is the loving thing to do. But I tell you as a parent, G-Daddy, I tell you as a pastor, as a servant of the Most High God, what's being forced on our children and teenagers today is demonic. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And, and so Jesus said this, if you harm one of my little ones, it'd be better for you to put a millstone around your neck and be cast in the deepest sea. And so we, we've got to love kids enough to stand up for them. We've got to love them enough to stand for them against these forces that are trying to destroy their little bodies and God-given design. And at the same time, we gotta love people who are confused and hurting because they really are. And, and so today, I want you to know that this is probably not gonna be solved by logic as much as love. Jesus said, by this, the world will know that you're my disciples if you what? Love one another. Very few people get argued into the kingdom of God. And let me just tell you, you can win an argument and lose a friend. You can win an argument and lose a family member. And, and, and so it's not about winning an argument. And, and I, I want to tell you that the way that you talk about this subject, we're talking about how to answer questions about sexuality, the way you talk about it, the tone that we use is so important. We want to bless people. Our words have life. Our words are powerful. We want to bless people, not curse people. And so I want to give you this uh, in, in closing today. Look at it. I hope you'll write it down. Dialogue rather than debate. Conversation's a two-way street. You gotta listen to the other person and you gotta respect the other person. Even if you come away agreeing to disagree, you have to have respect for one another. Listen rather than lecture. Ask them to tell you their story. And, and then listen to their heart, not just their words. And then I would say to you, ask permission to share your Christian worldview and what you believe. Here's a big one, assure rather than argue. Uh, just as you speak life, assure them of your unconditional love. Nothing's gonna separate your friendship, your relationship, even when you don't agree, you're gonna continue to love them and find points of agreement. I told you, as a parent, this is big. You can affirm your child without approving of what your child does. You can affirm your child without uh, in any way approving or accepting or agreeing or compromising your convictions. So find some common ground. Here it is. Kill them through kindness. Connect through kindness. Now, I had to put connect up here because I couldn't put kill in, in print, all right? But I, that's what I mean. Kill them with kindness. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness draws us to God. It's the goodness of God that brought us to repentance. And kindness brings people together. And then here it is. Scrap the stereotypes. All right? Uh, the stereotypes have not helped us. And there is a difference between tradition about male and female and what the Bible teaches about male and female. Let me put it to you like this. There's some men that are just more gentle than others, and there's some women rougher and tougher than others. He's still a man. She's still a woman. The spectrum between tomboy and girly girl 
is huge. Am I telling the truth or not? But hear me, I think about Solomon. And I've preached through Ecclesiastes. And Solomon said, I tried it all. There's nothing I didn't try. And he said, it left me empty. Vanity, vanity, it's all in vain. And so I just want to say to you today, more money, more sex, more surgery, it's still going to leave you empty on the inside. It's not going to bring you what you think it's going to bring you. I mean, be honest with me. If a woman has a double mastectomy, is she still a woman? If she has a hysterectomy, is she still a woman? Of course she is. If a man has his prostate removed, is he still a man? Of course he is. And I'm just telling you, XX is still female and XY is still male. And, 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 and hear me, hear me. I, 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 wanna, I wanna tell you, I'm preaching to the choir and I really wanna help you, but I really am preaching to the hurting. I really am preaching to those who say, you know, is there a place for me? And I'm telling you, in the Father's house, there's a place for you. So at a time of ever-changing, continuous confusion, the church must be clear. We gotta speak the truth in love. Rejecting God's design of how he created you and living outside of his will is not going to bring you peace. Jesus came to redeem us, to redeem our brokenness, to heal us, to give us hope. I'm telling you, Jesus suffered in his body on the cross to redeem and restore your body. Our identity is not in our past sin. And praise God, it's not in the present struggle. And I don't care who you are, everybody struggles with something. And you're gonna struggle with it until you get to heaven. The road to healing starts with the need to belong, with being loved. First Corinthians says love is patient, love is kind, but it also says this, it's not rude, it's not irritable, and it rejoices, listen, in the truth. You can't love someone by affirming a lie. You gotta love people enough to tell you the truth, and that's what I'm trying to do today. I just, I want you to know, it's out of a heart of love that I'm saying what I'm saying. God loves you. Your pastor loves you. And I want the best for you. And so I'm sorry for what you've been through. And I'm sorry for what others have done to you. And I'm sorry for the struggles that you're going through. But I'm saying to you today, everybody's got a past. Everybody has things that they wish they could go back and change and undo. It's like the hymn writer said, we all are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And so I believe the best position for a parent or a pastor is right here. Luke 15, 20, and I end with this. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. You, you gotta see them. They're hurt, they're suffering, they're confusion. Who their friends are, what they're going through. And then what? He went and he preached to him. No, he was filled with compassion. And he ran, he made the first move threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And he said, I love you unconditionally. When the prodigal came back home, the father didn't go out there and beat him over the head with words and, and lecture to him. No, he welcomed him with open arms. And I'm saying to you today, that's the God that we serve. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. 
the light's still on and the door's still open. The devil wants to curse you. God wants to bless you. And I want you to know, if you're a prodigal, if you have turned away from him with your body, with sexuality, or any other sin, God is waiting on you with open arms. And he'll receive you no questions asked. All you have to do is this. Do what the prodigal did. The Bible says he came to his senses. He humbled himself and he came back home. And so I want you to bow with me for prayer. And right where you are, whatever the sin, Jesus paid for it on the cross, whatever it is. And so I invite you right where you are, just repent. Ask him to forgive you, he will. Just say something like this. God, please forgive me. I've gone my own way. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others. And I've sinned against myself. And I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. And I give you my life. All of it. I believe you died on the cross, Jesus. And rose from the dead to pay for all my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Take charge of my body, soul, and spirit. And from this day forward, for better or worse, I'm gonna love you and live for you. And I thank you that you'll never, ever stop loving me. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, every campus. Let's rejoice with those who prayed that, whether you're in the service or online. We want to connect. Will you just text the word yes to 40371? If you're ready to take the next step and, and be baptized, just text baptized to 40371 or fill out this red card. And you can leave it in the basket as you leave today or take it to the next step center. Now, we genuinely, genuinely want you to know that uh, the church is not a place for perfect people. If that's the case, I wouldn't be preaching right now. No, I'm telling you, it's a hospital for hurting people. And, um, and God will take you where you are and bring you to himself. And he'll give you, listen, this is so good. I'm just telling you, he'll give you another chance. He's the God of new beginnings. He'll give you a new identity. So let's stand. Every campus, location, the altar's open, whatever you want to come pray about today. And right where you're watching, make that place an altar of prayer. Father, as best I know how, I've preached this message that you've laid on my heart that the people ask for. And I know they need help. And I know it's discouraging when we look at the world around us. But I pray that, Lord, we'll keep our eyes on you. And God, I'm praying right now that you'll receive our worship, that you'll hear our prayers. Lord, we declare today that you are right. Your word is true, it's perfect. And so we worship you as the creator, the redeemer. Thank you that we can sing today, I am who you say that I am. Thank you that we can sing, we're gonna build our life on your love. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Lord, we come praying today, just speaking the name of Jesus over our lives, our children, 
over this generation. We speak the name of Jesus over our church. And I pray that the strongholds of the enemy will be torn down in the name of Jesus. We reject every curse, every spell. We declare no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And so God, I'm just praying you would minister supernaturally by your Holy Spirit and do a work of grace in all of us. And I'm praying right now, knowing that you're Elohim, that you're the God who made us, but you're also Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who heals us when we're sick. So Lord, minister healing today to those who are hurting in Jesus' name. Amen.